You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome back to Across the Romaverse, episode 67 here. We're on the international break, so it's a listener Q&A episode, uh, something that we like to do every once in a while to get you guys involved in the show. Uh, And on that note, thanks to all of you who filled out our listener survey. Uh, We're taking all of your, you know, feedback into consideration as we think about the lengths of the episode and the way we structure our episodes going forward after this one. Uh, so we appreciate your you taking the time. If you haven't done it yet, it's up on our site, and you could certainly weigh in and give us some ideas, things you enjoy, things you don't like, and uh, you know anything you might like to see in the show going forward. I am here with uh, Jimmy and Brandon again. So Brandon, how are you doing on this international break? Doing good. Um, you know, still still adjusting to uh, my my recent move, so you know, still dealing with that, and um, looking forward to the Roma game on Sunday and have to give a special shout out to my haters in the listener survey. You guys know who you are. I love you guys. Um, but other than that, I'm doing good. <laughs> Jim, what about you? Because I know Italy, uh, very disappointing this international break. So I, you know, you and I both follow Italy. I'm sure Brandon does too, but I mean, I thought Roma was bad for our, you know, stress levels, but Italy's taking it to another level. Yeah. I'm finding it really frustrating to watch football in the past couple of weeks period, man. It's been tough. Um, I mean, I'm not, I'm normally kind of in the Jose Mourinho camp when it comes to not loving the international break. I wish there was a better way to kind of like do the qualification, uh, setup than the way that it works. It just seems to make the season really disjointed. Um, but, uh, yeah, ending, ending the right before the international break with a loss and then having Italy be so poor over the past week or so has been, not not very enjoyable. So I'm hoping that once once Roma gets back into play uh, a week from week or so from now that uh, we'll be able to get the good times rolling again. Yeah, hopefully Roma gives us something to look forward to on Sunday and actually follows through because it's been rough. So we have uh, about eight or nine listener questions for this episode. Um, the first couple from a couple of our you know guys that question often, so we wanted to get them both in. 
similar on the Mourinho topic. So I'll, I'll get one of you guys for the first, one of you guys for the second. So the first one uh, comes from Andy Lake Sports, a frequent questioner, and he asks, what do you think has been Mourinho's most positive contribution to Roma so far? What do you think has been his biggest failure or weakness so far? Yeah, so I'll take that one. Um, as far as biggest failure or weakness, I think that what I would pinpoint is some man management. And that's not necessarily something that is surprising for people who have followed Jose Mourinho. I mean, I know that he goes from club to club and often, you know, ruffles feathers, gets people upset, gets players, you know, puts them on the outs and things like that. That's pretty normal for the Jose Mourinho experience from what I understand. At the same time, uh, it, it's somewhat frustrating to be watching the club this season and to see that, you know, on the one hand, Tiago Pinto did do a lot of good work uh, to cut dead weight from the side. But at the same time, to cut dead weight from the side and then for the manager to decide that, you know, five or six players apparently that he thought could cut the mustard now can't and aren't getting any more minutes, that leaves us so threadbare on, on the depth chart that it's not that surprising to me that we've been having poor form over the past month or so. So to me, that's been his biggest failure, um, kind of not accepting the squad that he currently has in terms of, you know, getting players to play to their best, because that's what I think a manager really should be about. Not necessarily saying I need the best players or I need even like specific players to fit my tactical system. Uh, but more that he should be able to say, okay, these are the guys I've got. How am I going to make this side win? Or if not win, you know, do well. And I haven't really seen that from Mourinho yet. And I'm hoping that, you know, maybe as the squad gets built more in his image, we might see that, but I'm not super optimistic. Uh, when it comes to his po biggest positive contribution, I do think that there has been a mentality shift and I appreciate that. Um, I obviously, you know, poor form from the past month hasn't, you know, made everything super sunshine and rainbows in the Roma verse, but at the same time, I do feel like we've been seeing a lot more of a zero tolerance policy towards, you know, garbage play. Uh, and I think that we've been also seeing a lot more support for, you know, the club inside the match. So, you know, if Roma goes down a goal, I'm no longer a hundred percent worried that like, Oh, we're just going to like get creamed for the rest of the match. I usually have some level of confidence now that the side will be able to claw at least one goal back and maybe even get ahead. Uh, so that's a really big improvement, especially from Fonseca's kind of like glass mentality uh, that we were seeing a lot during the tail end of his career. So I'm, I'm happy with that. All right. So I'll follow up uh, to you, Brandon, with a, a similar question from Jody, who's a frequent listener, uh, interacts with us on Twitter and everything. And he said so far in terms of football values, not marketing nor brand values, has Mourinho been a positive addition for the club or has he been a negative addition in your opinion? So I think, um, you know, it kind of depends on whether you are a results oriented person or a performance oriented per person. I think Jimmy hit all the, the points about, you know, his positive aspects um, so far and the negative contributions. So I will rehash those, but um, I lean more towards the, um, being more performance oriented so I think that he's been a net positive now I think ultimately that we're still only um 
a handful of months into the season. So I think it really is to be determined whether he's been a positive addition um, because, you know, uh, we're already starting to see the signs of things not unraveling, but the the foundations are 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 in place for that to happen, which a lot of um, his detractors are quick to point out. But as Jimmy had mentioned, you know, there's been a significant mentality shift, especially in these big games. So, and that's been something that we've been needing to get over the hump with for several years, um, if not longer. <laughs> um, if you really you know want to speak to the essence of the club itself, so. I think overall it's been positive just because of that aspect, but obviously as you know, it's been discussed um, ad nauseum, he, he, he's, there certainly has his negative um, aspects as well. Yeah. So Brandon, I guess I had one quick question for you from that. I generally do agree that I think he's been a positive addition for the club. My one question is how do you square that with the fact that I, we talked about this last week, that going into this international break, Roma, I believe is on a lower point total than it was at this point in the season under Fonseca. How, how, do, you, do you square that by saying like there's a, it's a more challenging league right now or what, what do you think is like the issue there? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's a matter of the scheduling. Um, we, we played Lazio, Juve, Milan, Napoli already. Um, I'd have to go back and look at last year's schedule at this time to be sure, but I doubt that it was um, as, as much of a murderer's row as um, we've seen this year. So I think that, um, you know, it's, uh, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm torn because I, I, I get, I take your point, but I think that the, the performances have um, kind of speak for themselves because in seasons past, when we've, we've gone into these big matches, I've gone into them um, thinking there's no chance, even from minute one watching them. Uh, I don't know if we have a, a chance and, you know, to, to be frank, I'm a naturally pessimistic Roma fan. And so I think that even this season that I'm, uh, I go into these matches expecting us to come back if we go down a goal, I think that kind of speaks to the the, the net value that he's added. Yeah, I, I, I'll weigh in a little bit too. And I think the, the net positive is there, I think, in my opinion, because he has brought some changes to the club. I think, like you mentioned, that mentality in the big matches seems to have changed a bit. But yeah, I mean, when you have a coach now with lower pointos, you you see people on social media calling for like his sacking, which to me is crazy. You don't bring in Jose Mourinho for that 8 million euros or whatever he's making a season talking about a project to just get rid of him after 12, 12 Serie A matches because he's got a lower point total than Paulo Fonseca. And, and Paulo Fonseca, the poor guy, he got murdered when he was here. And now all of a sudden he's like, oh, you know, if we sell Paulo Fonseca in charge, we'd be doing so much better which I think is hard to argue because the schedule is difficult. Um, you know, Mourinho, I don't think is going anywhere anytime soon, but I listen to some other podcasts, non-Roma podcasts, study out podcasts, uh, ones I've been on. And, you know, there's people who say they don't expect him to maybe even last until the second time um, Roma plays Inter, not the first time because they play him in December, but maybe in March or whenever the second Inter match is when he would, I think, return to the San Siro. Uh, he, he won't be the Roma coach. I, I find that hard to believe at this point. Uh, it's funny. There's that hashtag going around Twitter these days. It's like um, uh, something like Siamo con Mourinho per la Roma or something like that. Like we're with Mourinho for Roma's sake. And, you know, you, you have to, all these big names like Totti, De Rossi, all these guys weighing in lately to kind of say, you know, he needs his time. So the fact that he needs to be defended 
certainly says that the seat is probably getting a bit warmer. And I don't think the Freakins would fire him, but would it turn into a situation where he just gets fed up with it? That's what I'm wondering. Just to, just to piggyback off that and uh, tie up my last point while you were speaking, I looked up Roma's schedule this time last year. And the only big teams that we played were Juve and Milan. And we drew both. And so, you know, that's that's half the amount of um, the, the seven sisters that we played. So um, that kind of speaks to how, how tough that schedule was. Yeah, I, I was actually looking it up too before. And I, you're right. It's, it's nowhere near the schedule we've played so far. Now the Venezia match, obviously, uh, dilutes things a bit because that that hurts the argument but the schedule's certainly more difficult this year so piggybacking off that um, th- this question was from Jody too he followed up with specifically from a football point of view how do you see his stock in the coming six to 12 months I'm going to say I think his stock is growing right now I think it might be hard to see that right now but I, I can't imagine that it goes that far right if the management, which seems to be committed to him, follows up with the purchases and the roster moves he would like to see. That's my opinion. And that's me being a bit optimistic too, I think, at the same time. Well, the the natural pessimist in me is, uh, <laughs> I feel like his uh, stock is trending downwards, but I think that, I don't know, we've talked about it many a time. We all expect a bounce back from this club when the schedule softens up a bit, which is upcoming so maybe uh, I'll have to reassess after the Genoa game uh, to fully to fully answer this question. Um, but right now, um, you know, times are tough and he's getting grilled left and right, it feels like. So it's, you know, but I have faith in him and this team to bounce back. And um, the winter market will be huge, I think. And if we're if we're extending it a year, um, it really gives Pinto time to work in that summer market to really get him the guys that he wants. So I think it's, it's way too early to really call it. Um, I would like to see how that squad performs in the next three or four matches to really, um, you know, reassess my point on where his stock is at, but I think giving him another couple windows, um, will you know, we'll, we'll, he'll get his guys in and we'll see, we'll probably see a world of difference in that department. All right, so six to 12 months, we'll see. It's a long time. Uh, I, I like how Brandon mentioned the next few matches will be, will be big. I mean, we were looking at October as the kind of pivotal month going into it because all those seven sisters were looming and things didn't go so well. And now, it, you know, it's the matches against the smaller teams, the Genoas of the world who are struggling, battling relegation right now. That really could determine where this season goes and really <laughs> how the whole Marino story starts to play out. You know, next three Serie A matches, Genoa, Torino, Bologna, and then finally Inter uh, December 4th. So that'll tell us a lot. We'll see how it goes, but um, hopefully the stock will start to trend up for Roma's sake because as Mourinho goes, Roma will go for the time being. Um, Talking about one of the topics that kind of maybe we thought would be solved under Mourinho is the defense. And Pietro Rizzo asked the question, what seems to be the issue with our defense? I believe Mancini and Ibanez are great defenders, but why are we conceding so much? Is it the midfielders who are not coming back enough to help out? Or are we actually missing an older, experienced center back at the back? Yeah, so I think I'll take this one. And my working theory on here, which I think I've talked about before, is that despite the individual ability of both Gianluca Mancini and Roger Ibanez, um, I'm not necessarily convinced that the combination of Mancini, Ibanez, 
and the fullbacks that generally play is getting Roma the defensive results that it needs. I think that there's a reason why one of the top requests that Mourinho has for the winter Mercado is a uh, backup right back. Uh, and one could argue based off of the names that we're seeing that, you know, it might not even really be that much of a backup and more of a, you know, potential long-term replacement for Cardsdorp. Uh, we're seeing names that are like, you know, starters at Ajax and places like that, that are like, obviously not going to just be content being bench warmers behind Rick Cardsdorp for the long-term. So when I see the transfer names that were linked to, I think, okay, he might not even really be that confident in Cardsdorp long-term. And to be honest, I'm not either. Um, I do think that a lot of the defensive issues might actually be solved when Spinazzola comes back. Uh, not because, you know, he's a overly defensive left back, but because I do think that for better or for worse, he has more comfort playing with the center backs that we currently have than I think Vina does right now. I think that Vina's out of all the players that we signed this summer, I think that Vina has had the roughest transition into um, playing for Roma, which is kind of reasonable when you realize that he's the only one who moved a continent. I mean, Tammy Abraham came in from England. Eldor Shomurdov came in from, you know, Serie A. Uh, so I think that a lot of it comes down to the fact that the fullbacks are kind of not necessarily bringing as much to the table defensively as they need to, if we're going to have as much defensive integrity as we want. Yeah. So Jim, one thing I'm going to push back on is the Karsdorf point. I know Karsdorf's been kind of like the bane of your existence, the pat, uh, the beginning of the season. He's a guy you've railed against, but I did some digging on Karsdorf because I was, I was thinking about doing a piece on him over the international break. And Brendan and I decided to hold off on it for a bit till we have a bigger sample size. Cause it's only been 12 matches. So you're kind of comparing the um, he played the equivalent of 28 full matches last season, only 11 and a half so far this season, but I'm looking at some of his numbers, you know, I, I you, you, you know, this might surprise you. His um, recoveries per match per 90 minutes is actually up by a whole recovery per match to 7.57 from 6.61. His tackles plus interceptions, let me just go back to his defensive stats here, uh, is actually up as well uh, by about a half of uh, tackle plus interception per match. So I think defensively, I think he's getting a lot of flack um, in terms of individual performances that maybe he doesn't deserve. I don't know if he's any different than he was last year. Maybe positionally things are different because he had three center backs covering him last year. Maybe that's why he might have looked better. I don't know. Um, you know, we'll see maybe if Roma plays a little more of a back three. But I, I think it might be more to the point of what you said about Spinazzola missing than cars are really falling off that far because um, we've seen some goals come down Vina's side as he transitions to Serie A. So I don't know. Maybe that could be what's going on there, but I don't know if Karzor has been as bad as he's, you know, looked at. I also know that Mourinho mentioned after last match, he's been playing hurt pretty much. So uh, that could make for something too. I think just to add to the conversation, another um, point that we probably don't talk about enough is that we're conceding so early in some of these matches that we're forced to push um, more forward than normally we probably would under Mourinho. And so that, you know, that, kind of speaks to why we almost lead the league and, um, you know, shots and chances created and things like that. We, you know, we have had our moments where we've been rock stars offensively, but I think a lot of it has to do with having to chase games constantly. And when you have to do that, you're putting your defense in a bag of spot. 
and so they have their individual errors, which is why we're conceding so early. But I think um, they have to deal with this pressure throughout the course of the game because we're constantly having to, um, you know, to 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 equal, to try and equalize. So I think that kind of puts us in a bad spot, and um, you know, the 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 fullbacks have to push higher up to get crosses into the box, and that leaves Mancini and Banyas one on one a lot, or um, you know, the midfielders are trying to do too much and play a pass they wouldn't norm normally play. And then that also puts the defense on the back foot. So I think, I think a lot of the defensive issues might sort itself out once we learn to stop conceding so early in these matches. Yeah. And I think just to go back to Pietro's question is I also value Mancini Ibanez, And I think you're right. They do get put in one-on-one -on -one situations. And part of that also is because we don't have that true defensive midfielder still on the roster um there too has his limitations defensively we've seen that through the years at Roma and uh I think Cristante is feeling it admirably but I think if we had a true defensive midfielder I think we'd see a, a whole different team in the way they defend and I think that could be why Mourinho looked at the, the three-man defense against Venezia uh, didn't actually work out well but uh, we'll see what happens so moving on to the next question this one comes from Ron Melendez and uh so when, when Bren referenced the three-man defense in his solicitation of questions, Ron actually said, what back three have we played that way? And I missed it. Um, so to, just to answer that, yes, we played the one match technically from the start in the, the three-man defense against Venezia. And he says the biggest problem is the back four with these players didn't work and Fonseca fixed it by playing three back and two wing backs. And he says, want to know why Karsdorp isn't as good this season? Want to see Spinazzola struggle? Um so, Jim, you already spoke on Spinazzola and Karsdorp. So maybe, Brandon, you want to jump in on those two? Yeah, I have a suspicion that maybe this, uh, that maybe Ron's not the biggest Mourinho guy, um, <laughs> if I had a guess. But no, seriously, though, um, did, did Fonseca fix it with three at the back and two wing backs? I know we, you know, we, we were in the conversation for top four until um, injuries really took their toll. But the reason why we even went to three at the back in the first place under Fonseca is because of the injuries and not having everybody available. So I think, you know, it, it, I feel like the three at the back was done by necessity. And then as you know, by circumstance, we also realized that, Hey, cars plays great in this position. Um, or Hey, Bruno Perez is somewhat of a like capable player, uh, in this, in this setup. Um, so I'm, you know, and there's, there's an alternate timeline where the injuries don't um, hit as heavy and maybe we stick with the back four under Fonseca because I know um, when he first came in, that was kind of his bread and butter. So I don't, I think, I don't know, ultimately Mourinho, I think he's going to, he's going to give um, the three at the back a little run out and we're going to see just how effective this team is in it. But ultimately I think for Fonseca, it came as a matter of um, the, the, just the massive injury crisis that he had to deal with. So I don't really, um, I don't know, that's kind of my take on that question. Yeah, I mean, I would just add that I think that we're forgetting a lot of the time just how bad that injury crisis was for Mourinho. I mean, not Mourinho, for Fonseca. Sorry about that. Uh, hopefully I'm not predicting anything by saying there's going to be a Mourinho injury crisis. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean... So many key players were gone and the wheels finally fell off the team 
when Vertu came off. I think that that was really kind of the death knell for Fonseca's side when Vertu was no longer able to play consistently. Um, my one question for you guys that's somewhat related to this uh, is, do we think that if we bring in a DM in January, because DM and backup right back seem like the order of the day um, for January, if we bring in anybody, who do you think gets sent to the bench on, in the starting 11 right now, Veratu or Cristante? So I'll start, um, I'll go first. And before I answer your question, I just want to say to the Spinatola struggling point in Ron's uh, question, you know, look at Spinatola for Italy. He played in a back four and he did it very well. As long as you have a right back who can, you know, stay home when he needs to, just like Karsdorp did a lot last year, I think, I think he'll be fine. Uh, so I'm not worried about Spinatola struggling because of system. I think it would be more because of, uh, he has to recover from an injury uh, to your point, Jim, personally, and this might ruffle feathers of some of our listeners. I would keep Brian Cristante in the starting 11. I think he's been the better player this season. Jordan Vertu is a very good player, um, but I don't know. I, there's just something about Cristante. I feel like no matter where you put him, he does a lot for the squad. Now, if they bring in a defensive mid, I think there'll certainly be a three man rotation in the two midfield spots. If they keep a similar setup, whether it's a three, four, one, two, or if it's, you know, a four, two, three, one, whatever it is, you're going to have those two center mids. I, I think Vertu and Cristante will both get plenty of playing time uh, along with the new addition. Um, and I'm sure there'll still be matches where we see the, our original two playing, but I don't know. There's something about Cristante, his passing, um, you know, he can make the runs into the box. We saw that at Atalanta. He does, may not do it as, you know, quickly and as swiftly as Vertu, but I think his leadership on the pitch is important. I know he gets a lot of flack, but, uh, I'd be curious to see what the listeners have to say about that. Yeah, for me, I lean the opposite, but that's also naturally anti-Cristante. So um, if I can get him off the field, um, let's do it. But no, I'm just, but in all seriousness, no, I think if we get in a proper defensive midfielder, um, I could see Cristante going to the Brent bench, mainly because if you have that defensive midfielder there to, um, shield the defense that kind of frees bear two up more to do what he does best which is going forward and I guess the essence of your question is who is better going forward if you have that defensive midfielder shielding the defense and I'm lean bear too just because um, I don't know I think his body of work over the last couple of years or so uh, I would have more faith in him being that midfielder that goes forward um, than Cristante, but I, you know, Cristante is a very capable player in his own right. So nothing, not to take anything away from him, but I just feel more confident in the attack with Veratu pushing forward um, with that defensive mid midfielder behind him. Yeah. And I guess this is another somewhat related question because I think this was a very good question because the defense has been such a big problem for Roma to start the season if we're going to sometimes use that three at the back situation, do you think that that means we're going to actually use Max Combolo more often? Like what, what are we supposed to make of this transfer at this point? Cause I, I don't know it, it. He always worked in a back. I think he worked in a back five, like, you know, three at the back two wing back situation when he was in Verona. Uh, we bought him for a huge sum comparatively speaking like I mean Rodri Banez was what two million euros and this guy was like probably going to be evening out to around 30 uh so are we gonna move to a back three and maybe get you know Kumbula some run time do you think can, can we start hoping that Chris Smalling might be able to come back into the game uh 
I, I, I hear that we're looking into getting a center back in January, but just considering how many players we have on the bench already, that just seems kind of wild to me to bring in another center back. So I'm curious what you guys think about that. Yeah. So I think in terms of the center back in January, that, that has to mean that Kambula goes, uh, he's been linked with Torino and, and rejoining Ivan Juric, who he had tons of success under, um, at Verona. And that's kind of what made us want to buy him. You know, he played in that three man system, which is why you would have expected him to maybe play better on Sunday than he did. But again, it's hard to get consistency when you're like 20 years old and you play once every so often. Um, I think, though, if I'm Mourinho, if I'm trying to get in Mourinho's head, I think with Chris Smalling returning to full training this week, if they go three-man back line against Genoa on Sunday, I think it's Smalling in the middle of the back three with Ibanez and Mancini. I think the issue with Kambula with Ibanez and Mancini at this point in their careers is Ibanez and Mancini are very um, aggressive center backs, and they're not afraid to push up. And we talked about this last episode. One thing I noticed about Mancini, at times reckless, and Mancini is a player I love, but I thought he was a bit reckless on Sunday. And Ibanez has the same kind of characteristics on the other side. So it leaves Kambula out to dry a lot if both of them are being very aggressive in certain situations. And I think Smalling might be better suited with his pace and his experience to handle those situations if he does get caught one-on-one because Kambula is not the paciest defender. And if I'm thinking back when he was on Verona, he actually played the left side of the three-man back back line. And it was, um, I think it was Romani who played the center who's now with Napoli, but um, you know, Ibanez, I don't think is moving from the left side. Um, and Mancini seems to be pretty content on the right side because he does like to push as well. So I would almost think it's smalling and then, uh, possibly an addition in the winter if they do decide to, at the very least, loan out Kambula. Yeah, I think the writing is on the wall for Kambula. I think if Mourinho had the defense, the, the midfield depth that he wants. You could probably even see Cristante uh, in the back three before Kambula. I feel like sometimes with the way uh, it seems Mourinho rates him. So, um, yeah, you know, to answer your question, I think it's in theory, it would be nice to get him uh, in that back three, especially with the price tag. But just knowing Mourinho and how he's operated thus far, I don't really see um, Kambula becoming a reliable option in that in that spot. Um as for Smalling, I think he would be great in the middle of that with um, Mancini and Abanez on either side. But then, you know, you have you have those two pushing forward and um, Smalling's there to clean it up. But his injury record, like that doesn't inspire confidence by any means. So um, I, I'm, I'm uh, a little worried about uh, a consistent um, length of time with this team playing in a back three, namely because of Smalling's injury history. If he was, you know... Uh, just Iron Man playing every match. I would feel great about our prospects going into it, but I can also easily see the next time that he starts, you know, 30 minutes in, putting his hand up, calling for the trainer, which uh, you feel for the guy, but that's kind of the reality of the situation that we're in right now with him. Yeah, so uh, we, we've seen that too many times in the past season and, and now a third, I guess, we've, we're about a third of the way in compared to the first season, which prompted us to buy small and for all that money. Um, the next question was from AS Roma fan six. He asked what our defensive rotation look like when small returns. We, we pretty much just answered that. So just want to give AS Roma fan six a shout out for getting a question in. We'll move on to the next one. And the next question was from Vittorio Taroni. He said, can we envisage a future Roma, i.e. post January transfer window playing three, four, one, two, same setup they played this past weekend uh, with Pellegrini in midfield. So as one of the two center mids in that four, I guess 
Uh, Zaniello Trequartista and Mkhitaryan sold to finance the purchase of a right back and or defensive mid. So I would like to see Zaniello in that Trequartista role, but I don't think that that's going to happen. Um, I think the the Pellegrini experiment in two-man midfield has uh, not worked out, as we saw under um, EDF. And so I think, especially with the form that he's in, in that role, um, we won't we won't see Mourinho switch to putting playing Zaniolo through the middle, um, unless you know Pellegrini goes down with an injury for some reason. Then I can see Zaniolo sliding slotting right in there. But if everybody's healthy, you know Pellegrini is going to be your man in the, in the hole right there, and Zaniolo will continue to play on the right. Um, as much as that pains me, because I do think his best position would probably be through the middle. Um, so yeah, that's, and, um, you know, I also don't really know that Mkhitaryan is going to be sold to finance, um, these moves that we want to make. I know, um, you know, the rumor mill has been active, but I think that, uh, I don't know. I, I can't really see a player of Mkhitaryan's caliber finding a club that he wants to go to in the winter, um, I don't, I don't see it being like a Pedro situation where, you know, he has a former coach in, uh, in Saudi at Lazio and that kind of makes a, makes sense. I don't really see um, a situation for Mkhitaryan where he could slip, slip, slide in that easily. So I think it'll be difficult to use um, a, to sell him and B use that money to finance your other acquisitions. So um, I, I do, I do respect the, the, um, the questions, you know, um, ambition, but I, I, I don't see, um, it being real realistic, mainly the Pellegrini in the, in the, in the two man midfield. Yeah. I would just add to that, that another reason why I don't think that, you know, Mkhitaryan's going to be sold if anyone's going to be sold this in January is that he's the only consistent member of an, of the outfield starting like 10, um, who doesn't, who is like over 30. Like he's the only other, he's the only experienced guy in the side who's consistently getting minutes these days. Um, I mean, you could maybe argue that some like older players on the lines of like El Sharawi at this point, El Sharawi, sorry. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, uh, Vertu to a certain extent are some of the older statesmen in this starting 11. But outside of Rui Patricio, it's really just Mkhitaryan who has a lot of experience at the highest levels so far. Um, and I don't think that Mourinho is going to want to ship out one of the few guys with that level of experience in the middle of the season. I also don't think it's a w- worthwhile idea because selling him without bringing in another winger type or some type of attacking midfielder just seems like a dangerous idea um i know shamoradov can play on the left wing i know that el shirawi has looked good here and there um but i'm not confident with you know just having zalevsky as like the set the backup depth option um for the left wing that just seems like a really dangerous game to play especially if going into the january mercato our plan is to bolster the side in an attempt to get back to champions league football yeah, and I'll, I'll piggyback. I don't like the idea of Pellegrini in a deeper-lying midfield position. I don't think that suits his characteristics. I mean, he's been explosive as a three-quartista. He's been, you know, five goals in the in the league, I think, another two in the conference league, a, a, a few assists to go with it. 
so I can't see us putting our best player right now in a position that's not his best position. I mean, you put your best player in his best position so he can carry the team like we've seen in some matches this season. I, I like Zaniolo. I really do. Uh, but if we're playing a 3-4-1-2, if that's the route Mourinho goes, I see him better as a second striker playing off Tammy Abraham more directly uh, where he can run at players and do things like that. Um, or if we stay with the, you know, the three players with the wide, you know, the wingers, I see him as better as a right winger right now. His passing sometimes leaves things to be desired. And I, I don't know if he'll be able to be as direct playing as a three Cortista because a, a three Cortista should be a playmaker who can distribute as well. And I don't think his passing is up to the standard of Pellegrini right now. Uh, that That's just my take on, on the setup if we do make that move. And I think, you know, that depends on who you bring in. If you bring in a defensive mid, why are you sliding Pellegrini back deeper? So uh, along the lines of the January Mercato, Stephen Mancini asked, being that the January market never has the robustness of a summer transfer window, is there a reason to practice constraint to mitigate uh, potential overpaying for less talented players and waiting until the summer to reload? And what should our limits be as this is a long-term project in terms of the winter Mercato? Um, so I'll, I'll start with this one and then I'll go to the guys. But I, I see the point that Stephen's making here because in the winter, it is so hard to get players because you have teams that are in the middle of a fight for their own position in the table, whether it's salvation to avoid relegation or, you know, fighting for a European spot. So you are going to tend to overpay, um, even if it's a player on an expiring contract. So I think, I think Pinto will have to be, you know, judicious with the way he spends his money. He has to be pragmatic about it. He can't go and drop 30 million on, a player that's going to shore up the defensive midfielder right back. I think we know that. Um, but, you know, I think the limits are there because this is a long-term project, but also because the finances aren't there to, to go crazy in the, in the winter. So I, I expect it to be limited in terms of what Roma does. I don't know what you guys think. Yeah. I mean, Oh, sorry, Brent. <laughs> okay. Um, then I'll just take what I was going to add first. I, I don't think based off of who we've been lined up to try to get, that it looks like Roma wants to necessarily splash a huge amount of cash in January, which to me is a good thing because for all the reasons you said, Stephen, I, I don't think that, you know, dropping 30 million is in the cards. Um, I will say that, you know, Denise Zakaria is the exact type of player that you would want to be shooting for if you're Roma. Now, with Manchester City, Liverpool, Juventus, everybody wants you know, a chance at signing this guy. Uh, so I'm not saying it's a guarantee that we'll be able to sign him, but when it comes to getting a player in the January transfer market, getting a player whose contract is winding down is smart. And cause he's obviously 24. It's not like he's too old, but at the same time with his contract winding down, his club, his club will want something and Roma can provide them with something may, and maybe get, you know, a 30 million, got a Euro guy for five or 10 million just because his contract is winding down. So when I see rumors linking Roma to players like him, I'm happy when I see them linked to players who have like five years left on their contract and maybe like would be valued at like 30 to 35 million euros. That's when I'm like, okay, that's probably not going to be a signing that we're going to make in January. Could we make that in June? Yeah, definitely. I think Roma's shown an ability and an intention to spend. But I don't, I think that, you know, there is an element of truth to the idea that, you know, trying to shake up the rotation too much in the January window is a recipe for disaster. 
Yeah, just to close, because you guys made some great points um, that I agree with for the most part. You know, I, well, A, I'm not really going to get my hopes up that Zakari is going to come just for those teams that you mentioned that are in the race for him. It would be so Roma for him to just wind up with Juve and then torch us the next time we play us somehow with a screamer outside the box or something like that. But um, yeah, I, I think, you know, even even team, you know, even Newcastle who just got bought and have, uh, I think it's reported like 200 million euros to spend. Um, they are, are also like rumored to not uh, be big players in the January window. I'm sure that they will be to some extent because they're fighting for their, you know, um, survival in the Premier League, but it's just generally the attitude towards the January market. And I don't think that Roma is going to, you know, be the one to break that mold. Yeah, I, I think January Mercato, it's got to be a move that you think really gets you over the line for a Champions League place at this point. So, you know, piggybacking off that, James Salvaggio asked, realistically, how many signings do you see us making in January? At what positions will be our target? And secondly, which players do you honestly see leaving in January? Thanks. And he and he closes with. So thanks, James, for getting your question in. And uh, let's see, let's see what, what do you guys think in terms of how many players are we bringing in? Who might leave? So in terms of who we're bringing in, I think it's obvious it's going to be a defensive midfielder and a backup right back. Um, knowing how our markets, Mercados usually go, I would say that it's probably going to be one. Um, and maybe it won't even be the defensive midfielder because uh, that usually seems to be how it goes. But those are definitely the two target areas as we talked about at length. In terms of who's going, um, you know, the writing's been on the wall for some time for, um, you know, the, the players that were banished following the Bodo disaster. Two players that are not going to go anywhere are probably Santon and Fazio because we're never going to get rid of those guys. Um, but I think a player to look out for to leave for sure is Reynolds. Clearly, Mourinho despises this man um, and uh, <laughs> has no interest in playing him. I think a loan spell to, a loan spell to Venezia would do, be, do wonders for him because, you know, he's, he's playing, um, you know, with a lower level, not lower level, but just like uh, a generally weaker Serie A uh, team. And you already have a contingent of Americans on that team. So um, in terms of adjusting to the league and the team itself, I think that would be a great spot for him. Yeah, my bet is for exits that permanently we're going to see VR and Diawara leave. Uh, I don't really see any other players leaving on a permanent basis. I'm not, I, I, I know that Mourinho doesn't seem to like, or doesn't seem to trust, I think is probably a better way to phrase it, Brian Reynolds just yet. But, you know, as the guy who seems to want to defend the kid more than, than Mourinho does, at least, he is the youngest player that we have in the senior squad who isn't, you know, the predestinato Ricardo Calafiori. Like he's the only, he's the only kid who's consistently in the squad. So it does make sense to a certain extent that Mourinho looks at the 20 year old right back and says, yeah, I, I can't necessarily use him yet as my backup right back behind cars door. Um, so I hope that he gets a loan to somewhere like Venezia or Sassuolo. I wrote an article about this last week, uh, kind of detailing some options for him. But VR in particular just strikes me as like a dead man walking, even among all the dead men walking who got put on the kind of persona non grata list following the Bodo match. VR just is gone. 
And I think that it's really kind of sad because he had such a cool story when he came to Roma, like coming from like a second division team where, you know, the big clubs in Spain didn't want to bet on him, but Roma brought him in and he just was able to make it happen. That was really cool. But I think the fact that he didn't really have much hardship with this side uh, until Mourinho came along, like he was pretty much guaranteed to be a starter, regardless of how well he was playing at a particular moment. I think that kind of did him in so that the moment that Mourinho just said, okay, you're not playing anymore, or you need to show something, he just decided, yeah, well, I'm not going to be able to do that. So I need out. Um, he's been the one who's been the most vocal on social media, both like fighting with Roma fans and, um, you know, hinting at moves away. Uh, whereas, you know, Max Kambula, I mean, Steve already mentioned that Kambula might be leaving, but at least Kambula has been saying all the right things about try- trying to get in Mourinho's good graces, you know? Uh, so I think that that should be commended. And the fact that VR just was uninterested in doing that at all is an indicator of just how quickly he's probably going to be gone from the side once January hits. Yeah, I, I'm looking at probably two signings. The two we keep hearing are defensive mid and a backup right back. I think backup right back might be the the most set in stone. As much as we need a defensive mid, though, like you guys said, who knows if the D mid even arrives. I think right back will definitely arrive just because they need cover for Karsdorp. And consequently, I think Reynolds will get loaned out. I don't think Roma sells him at this point. Jimmy just did his piece about potential loan destinations that he you know, hypothesize. And I, I think there's a lot of validity to that because Reynolds needs to play. He needs to play somewhere, not necessarily as a starter, but just needs to get minutes under his belt at a, a high level, like a Serie A or another league, you know, that's fairly equivalent. Um, in terms of players leaving, I know about Borja Mayoral has been linked away to Fiorentina, trying to get him to, you know, transfer his loan over there. Uh, if Dusan Vlaovic isn't getting sold, does he get more playing time there? I, I don't know if he gets more playing time there. I don't know how realistic it is that Roma wants to deprive themselves of another striker if Mourinho plans on playing a two-striker system. Uh, that could be something to watch because Mayoral's found some minutes lately when Roma's needed goals late in the match. So maybe, uh, you know, maybe there's some extra life for him there to finish out his loan. I mean, he's going at the end of the year regardless, I think. But in terms of the winter, we'll see. He could be a possibility. VR seems like the guy who would have to go to bring in a defensive midfielder. I think the shame of that is here's a kid who you bought for like five or 6 million euros. If I remember right, probably raised his value this summer to like the 30 to 40 million range. And now, you know, you're selling at a a weak position, you know, in terms of financial gain, you're going to get off him. I mean, he's a plus Valenza pretty much any way you look at it because they got him so cheap, but I feel like some team could really, you know, use his will to leave against Roma to really get him on the the fairly cheap. So um, be interesting to see if he does go. It seems like Diwara is is like digging in his heels from everything I read. He doesn't want to leave. So I think it's one of those two, and it's probably more likely VR. Uh, like I said, Reynolds, Mayoral, maybe, Kumbula, maybe. Uh, if Roma's going to bring in a center back, Kumbula has to go. So if Kumbula goes, I, I could see a third signing, uh, maybe a center back loan with option to buy or a guy in an expiring contract. I know they were linked to Marco Sanese of, I think, Feyenoord today. I think he might be on an expiring contract. I could be confusing him with another player we were linked with. But a player like that, a, a speculative buy, but someone who has top flight experience could be a good fit. We'll see. Um, so I'm going to say two signings, potentially three if Kambula goes. Um, and then the players that the guys mentioned. And yeah, Santone and uh, Fazio, we're going to have to wait till the summer <laughs> to rid ourselves of them, unfortunately. And then those contracts will leave. And thank God, because we'll have some money to spend. Um, 
in terms of money to spend, Jody came back with a second question. This one Mercado related. He said, if given Roma's financial limitations, which is, makes this very likely, they could buy only one player in January and perhaps another player in the summer. Do you think Mourinho with his constant demands of quality players is the right profile manager needed right now? I'll take this one. Yeah, I do think he is. Um, I think that it's been very clear since the moment that Mourinho signed with Roma that he at least was saying that he knew what the project was. Um, He didn't sign with Newcastle United right after the Saudis bought them up, you know? Uh, So I think that he knew that there was a ownership group that was willing to invest and he's repeatedly complimented them on investing. Um, but he knew that they weren't going to be able to drop hundreds of millions of dollars or euros on the transfer market from the word go. Uh, so I think that given that, and given the fact that, you know, they were very, he, he's admitted in press conferences that unfortunately a lot of the Mercado in the summer was reactive. So Jaco said, I'm leaving. And Roma said, okay, bye. And they had to get a new striker. So they signed Tammy Abraham. Uh, Spinazzola looked like he was going to be turning into, you know, like the next best fullback in the world. And honestly was at the Euros. And then he tore his Achilles. So we had to be reactive and buy another left back. I don't think, I think that if we hadn't had to make those purchases that we probably could have made a lot of the signings that were linked to for January in you know in the summer i think that it would have been easy to buy buy like a dm or a backup right back in the summer if we hadn't had to have bought another star striker and another starting left back and i think Mourinho probably knows that so is he probably going to be frustrated that he's not you know playing for like managing chelsea anymore of course but i think that he's the right profile manager roma needs right now because a he can help bring players in to rome and B, I think that there really weren't that many other options that were as good or as reputable for the manager in the summer. I mean, like, look at how much work uh, Tottenham had to go through. And I, I consider Tottenham to be like Roma, England, <laughs> to, get, to get Conte eventually. And, like, they went through Nuno before they signed Conte. So, like it's not like there are a huge number of, of managers on the market. So I think we got the best one available, which is what you got to ask for. Yeah. Just to go off that. Yeah. I completely agree. You kind of have to take him at his word about, um, you know, he's here for a long-term project. I also think, you know, you have to look at, um, you know, what the former Roma players themselves are saying, you know, Tati, Tarasi, uh, Kafu, I think as well, they're all saying, you got to give this man some time, uh, let him, you know, get who he wants in, let him uh, instill his philosophy into these players. So these are players who, who know what Rome has been missing for, you know, all these years. And um, if they're backing Mourinho, you know, you kind of have to back Mourinho as well, just because they, they know what this team needs um, because they've, they've, they've lived it, um, you know, as recently as, um, you know, a few years ago with De Rossi still in the squad. So I think in that aspect, he's definitely the right manager. Also, I think um, going off of what Jimmy was saying, a lot of the moves in the summer were reactionary. So I do think that, you know, we splashed the cash on Abraham um, to bring him in. But I do think that 
whether it's um, this upcoming summer or the one after, I think we're going to get a marquee signing um, just because, you know, that's kind of in line with, you know, what Mourinho's used to. And I think that, um, especially if we get back into the Champions League, I think um, the club will really want to take that next step and splash the cash on, um, you know, a, a marquee signing. So I think we have to look at the the, the summer windows to come to, to see who that will be. But I think I'm definitely expecting another um, another big arrival at some point. Yeah, I, I have to say, uh, I get where Jody's coming from the question, and I can certainly see one player in January, but I do think in the summer, the freakins will splash some cash for Mourinho. You don't bring in a, a manager like Mourinho without planning to invest. I mean, we look at what they spent on Tammy Abraham. They didn't go the cheap route and say, we're buying Shimordov and we'll keep Mayoral and you got to make this work, Jose. They went out and got one of the better strikers in his age group i'd say in europe you know abraham's got a very high ceiling still so young player not a proven player uh, in some regards but they, they splash the cash and i expect something similar this summer you know some contracts like the fazio santon will be coming off the books i think some of this dead weight will be coming off the books in terms of players that they're not really dead weight uh they could be useful to other clubs like the vrs and the diawaras but i think those guys will get moved and that's going to open up roster spots. Uh, you know, not only does it bring in uh, some money to spend, but it clears up the salary, which is half the battle too. So I, I, I do think he is the right profile manager right now just to answer Jody's question, because I think the freakins Pinto, they know what they need to do to make sure Jose has what he needs to make things happen, so to speak. And uh, they're not, they're not going to leave him there with a player of players. He doesn't want, I don't think. All right. So our last question we'll wrap on is a, another Mkhitaryan related question. So we kind of mentioned him earlier in some of the, you know, the, would, would you sell him to, or do you think he'll be sold now? Now I'm going to ask you from Marco Kukinen. Um, some rumors are sending Mkhitaryan out of Roma in January, cash him out or keep him until June, 2022. What do you say? And give a reason, Brandon. I say keep him until June 2022 because like how like realistically how much are we going to get for a 32 year old and an expiring contract um and we've talked at length about you know uh the the offensive depth and the squad so it doesn't really make sense to me if you had a replacement lined up sure I guess but I think the value that Mkhitaryan could still bring uh, especially once he gets a little rest from um, Armenia, um, this poor man's run into the ground at all times. But uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I think he could still bring something to this club, especially if he gets a little break, um, you know, give, give El Shirari a run out while he recovers from his international commitments and then give it another go. I don't really see. Um, yeah. It's, for me, it's like, if you have a replacement lined up, sure. Um but I don't think we're going to get the offer that, uh, you know, is commiserate with his value to, 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 to justify getting rid of him before his contract runs out. Jim, what about you? You, you cash him out or you keep him until June? I mean, I feel like I've already said my piece on Mkhitaryan. I, I, I'm a fan of his. I think it's a shame that he's getting run into the ground by the Armenian national team every single international break, but I get why they do it. I mean, he's there, he's there, Messi, Ronaldo, and like, Zlatan rolled into one so you you can't blame the national team coach for playing him so much but it does make it a lot harder for Roma fans to say yes we want him here for the long term and I I I still do though yeah I I agree Brandon made the perfect point when he said what are you really going to get from he's a 32 year old on expiring contract if you can get five million for him is that worth losing 
uh, one of our, like Jim said earlier on in the episode, one of our few experienced players, I can't see it happening. He would really have to request to move away. Like things would have to fall apart with Mourinho. His relationship would have to just wither away to nothing. I think by January, and I don't see that happening. So we thank you guys for getting your questions in. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed uh, next time we do this, be sure to get the, you know, your questions in if you couldn't this time um you know keep up with the site we'll finally be getting back to our regular match day coverage coming up you know you can check out um bren's piece on roma shooting woes that we've talked about so much on the episode he took a real deep dive into that uh the most recent bren uh versus brand pieces up jimmy has his Reynolds, you know loan piece up and then uh there's been a lot of you know rumor mill stuff and of course if you haven't uh you know taken our survey feel free to do that you guys have anything to leave the, the listeners with just uh, keep the questions coming. They're always great and they're very appreciated and we enjoy answering them. So please keep them coming as often as we um, request them. And I'll just add that, you know, Brendan might say, screw the haters, but you know, I love all of you. So you should, you should, you should all just remember that, that when you, when you write about the, the podcast, Jimmy loves you all. yeah so thanks for filling out the survey uh you know any constructive criticism we're we're here to take it hater or not you know we, we do take it um so thanks again for listening we'll catch you guys soon